This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. So we're in chapter four today, and uh, I'm going to jump into the to the message for the sake of time. But before we jump in, just for all of our new people, let me explain a little bit about what's going on, who's writing the book, what's happening, and give a little bit of context before we jump into the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Now, um, we have been recapping each week, just so we're on the same page. This is a letter being written from, well, the guy, his name is Paul. He's a He's a fantastic church leader. He's in the city called Rome. He's writing from his cell. He's writing from jail to a, a city called Ephesus. Now, we know that Ephesus is like, a, um, it's like a, a major metropolitan city in America. It could be likened to New York or Chicago or the greatest city in hashtag America, Los Angeles. And so he's writing to a major city, Ephesus. This is a, is a fantastic city, and he's writing such profound revelations on who we are in Christ, the life that we should live, and, whoa, okay, that is of aggressive light. Thank you for not doing that to people. And, um, and, and, then, and then also the church that we should be, the church that God has called us to become. So Paul is writing. The first three chapters we've talked about that he lays out the position of the believer. That as believers in Jesus, once you believe in Jesus, you're now positioned in forgiveness. You're positioned in grace. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says we've been seated in heavenly places. Anybody thankful that although you didn't earn or deserve this position, anybody thankful that you have this position? Come on, you can put your hands together. By the way, we are not a quiet church. Don't get quiet on me in the 12 o'clock service. If we are a talkback church, say yeah. yeah. So don't you get quiet on me because I am Mexican and I can get turned for Jesus. So, so he, he, he talked about the position. Now we're going to jump into chapters 4 through 6 where he is now going to explain the activity of a believer. The activity. I, I'm thankful that as a Christian, I don't have to sit in a pew and just come to a church service and go, this is my position. But I also get to do some stuff for God and have some activity as a believer. If you're excited about the active way of life for in, it comes to, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, somebody say amen. So let's go through now chapter 4. We're going to read the first seven verses in the NIV translation. Then I'm going to skip a whole bunch of verses, and I'm going to uh, read in the message translation in the 20s, and we'll end in verses 30 through 32. If you've had some coffee and you're excited about the message and you're feeling good, say amen. amen. It says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism after the twelve and even after the seven. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Skipping now down to verse 20 of the message translation. Talking about the old life. But that's no life for you. 
You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. That was our teenage years. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Verse 30. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, all backbiting, all profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Anybody thankful today that God himself was quick to forgive you in his son, Jesus Christ? Come on, if you believe that today, put your hands together and thank God for quickly forgiving. He didn't wait he didn't see if you come to a building. Come on, anybody grateful today? He was quick to forgive you of your sins. I want to preach a message today. You can write down the title. It's called Our New Normal. This is now our new normal. And I want to pray and I want to believe that today God will come and encourage you. I'm believing that when we leave this building, we're going to leave better than we came. I'm believing that when you walk out of these doors, you're going to walk out with some fresh faith, some excitement for your week, and a belief that God is not against you, but a belief that God is for you. Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and move amongst us and speak to our hearts. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We're so grateful. Thank you for your kindness and your compassion. Thank you that you're loving. Thank you that you are good. We are asking on a day like today, open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do something unique and profound in these moments and in this setting. God, thank you so much for all the amazing things you have for Easter weekend. We're already saying yes to being an impact in our city, in our community. God, thank you for Easter Sunday at the Wiltern. We're excited about it. And God, we're believing for all the parents that are going to steal the Easter egg candy from their children. Forgive them of their sins in Jesus' name. And we all said together, come on, parents, you all said together, Amen. Um, by show of hands, if you are here and you like new shoes, you like to get a new pair of shoes, let me just see your hand right here. Just Ain't nothing better in the whole world than a new pair of shoes. Can I get a witness in the church? I, there's something about new. I like a new car smell. I like new shoes. I like to get a new outfit. I like, I just, I like things that are new. Anybody like new things? Like something about new. Just Not a lot of people walking around going into a house going like, oh, I love the smell of an old house or like, just like, oh, my, you know, like new friends are so much more fun sometimes than like old friends. Like just a part of our, our makeup, a part of our DNA sometimes is that we're into new, new friends, new outfits. It's all about that new, new. Like we just, we love new. Say amen. Like we just like new. I want to talk together today about God actually inviting us to get out with the old and in with the new. 
This, uh, this weekend, Julia was asking me permission. We have these, these two chairs that we've had since the lifetime of our marriage. We've been married eight years. We got these two white chairs years ago. And these white chairs are beautiful chairs until we moved to L.A. and started a church. And since so many people have come to our house, these white chairs are now brown chairs. And, and we call these two chairs sin and death. And so these two chairs have got to go. Julia asked me this weekend, she's like, babe, can I go to West Elm and get like a couch or something because these chairs have got to go. The Bible is teaching us how to get out with the old and in with the new. This new life, this new creation. Uh, people getting baptized today at the 12. They're going down in the water. All of the old is getting washed away. And when they come up, they're declaring, I'm new. I'm new in Christ. I am a new creation. The Bible is teaching us here in chapter 4 what that new, new looks like. I like number one. Here's the first verse. He says, therefore I urge you. Remember, this is the tipping point. We've just understood the position of, uh, of the believer. Now he's tipping us into the activity of a believer. Watch how he starts. He goes, therefore, now that, so that we understand this part, now that we understand this part, he says, number one, walk and live in a life worthy of your calling. Can you write down point number one today? Live at the level you're called, not just for the level that you are. Oh, I just love this thought. He's saying, guys, you should now live a life worthy of your calling. Most of us live the life of where we are. I'm at this place in my career. I'm at this place in my family. I'm at this place in my dating relationship. I'm at this place, so I live where I'm at. The Bible teaches us to not live where we are, but to live where we're called. You have been called to greatness. You have been called into his marvelous light. You have been called as an ambassador of Christ. Do not live, live at the level that you are. Live at the level that you're called. I love that he's talking about calling because I believe for every one of us that's here today, you've got a huge call on your life. You've got a magnificent, huge, magnanimous call on your life. And I'm not just talking about the call of your business and the call of, of, of your family. I'm talking about the calling to be a Christian. You and I are called to be believers in Jesus Christ. When you are become a Christian, you receive the great high call of God. What is the high call of God? It's to be holy because he's holy. It's to live in righteousness because he's given us righteousness. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to be a chosen generation. We are called to be a royal priest. We are called to be the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Anybody thankful today that you didn't try and go get a call? Come on, anybody thankful today you just received a call? You ever hear that phrase, don't call us, we'll call you. Well, God called you. And he called you to something huge. He's called you to something powerful. And I wonder if you're just going to, number one, believe that you're called, and then number two, receive that you're called. Because it's one thing to believe it, it's a whole nother level to receive it. I grew up in a house where my mom, my mom is a short little Mexican lady. She's the sweetest lady in the whole world. My mom texted me this long text this morning. Mijo, I'm praying for you. You're going to do so great. People are going to get saved. My mom is the sweetest, nicest lady in the whole world. My mom used to, I grew up in a home where my mom used to tell me, Chad, people want to hear what you have to say. Chad, you have a call to be a leader. I grew up in a home where, where my parents were telling me, you're, you're an influencer, you're a leader. My mom and dad used to tell me, you're going to be a world changer. I was like, what in the world is a world changer? But I had this sense, I'm called. It's one thing to believe it, it's another thing to own it. When I was 19 years old, I started to own the call that's on my life. It, it, just because someone is a father 
and they have the reality of the fruit of having a child, just because they're a father doesn't mean they own the responsibility of being a father. Some of us, we go, I believe I have a calling, but I'm going to ask you, have you received your calling? Are you owning your calling? Do you walk worthy of your calling? Because when you're called to be a believer in Jesus, you don't live in the majority, you live in the minority. All the rest of the world's living one way. We're living above the fray. We're living above the world. All the rest of the world does this with their finances. We send our money to Peru to help other people. The rest of the people do this with dating relationships. We abstain from sex before marriage, and we live in purity in our relationships. The rest of the world's parenting this way. We rise above, and we say we're going to raise our kids in the house of the Lord and raise them in the things of God so when they're older, they will not depart. Am I preaching to anybody today that doesn't just believe that they're called. Come on, church. Anybody receiving your call? He says, therefore, walk worthy of your calling. I just wonder if you are right now walking and living a life worthy of your calling. When you believe that you have the responsibility of a high call, you lose the, you lose the rights to do this, that, and the other. I don't have the right to just spend my money the way I want to. I don't have the right to steward my time the way that I want to. My talents are not my own. Why? Because I have a high calling. The greater my calling, the greater the responsibility. The more responsibility, the less rights I have. When you start to realize I have been called to live a life worthy of my calling, you act different. It is, it is the difference between believing and behaving. I was with somebody yesterday, and he was talking about uh, someone that is a new Christian, a new believer, and, and they just, you know, are new to faith. And he was telling me this story. He said recently they, they, were, they were having a dinner, and, and he, he asked this person, he said, hey, at what point, because they're new to faith, he said, at what point do you think that you are going to uh, allow all these beliefs in Jesus to transfer over to behaving differently? The Bible's talking about our behavior, isn't it? Bible's talking about living a li our lifestyle being a reflection of our calling. I hope and pray that at Zoe Church, people around our city can tell you're living a different life. You don't live a life of the majority. You live the life of the minority. You have received a high calling. Come on, somebody put your hands together and thank God today that you're living a life worthy of the call that's on our church and on your life. He said, I, I hope you live a life worthy of the call. Now, we're going to get to it eventually, but Paul the Apostle, he starts chapter 4 one way. He's going to end it the same. In, in, in chapter 4, he says, I pray that you live a life worthy of the calling. Now, most of us go like this, like, whoa, yeah, high, high calling, huge calling. This is awesome. What am I going to do? World changer? That's so me. Let's do it. What should I do? Preach, teach, choir? What do you want? This is awesome. Huge calling. Okay, what do I do? Um, Paul goes, this is what you should do. Because you have such a high calling, um, treat people with respect. Be kind and considerate. Treat people with authenticity. Forgive people. Love people. Be tenderhearted. The, tenderhearted. the way that I fulfill the great high calling is the way that I steward my relationships. The way that I treat other humans. The way that I act amongst my city. Come on, anybody thankful today that being a high calling has nothing to do with a microphone or a worship song. It has everything to do with the way that we treat our co-workers, our bosses, our family members. Come on, somebody help me preach in the 12. If you believe that, the great high calling is to treat humanity with dignity. 
I love this because this is so the gospel. This is the heart of Jesus. He's like, this is how we fulfill it. He's like, be of one heart, one mind, one spirit. He's talking about unity, not being a person that divides, not being a person of segregation, not being a person of division, being a person that brings people together, brings unity in your home, brings unity in your company. Come on, by the way, division comes from multiple visions. Did you hear what Paul was saying? We've got one God, one church, one baptism, one one place, one coffee worker in the back. Pray for the coffee team. We need more. And then in verse 7, he says something so, so powerful. Because your great high calling is to treat people with respect and love people and be tenderhearted and forgiving and put away backbiting and all this kind of stuff. He said, remember, the way that we're going to do this is, he said, each one of us have received a grace decided by God. I want you to confess something over your home over your life this week. Maybe put it as a screensaver on your phone. Maybe make it as a memorization that you'll confess this every morning. Would you write down point number two today? Confess, I have a grace. I've got a grace. Now I came to tell somebody today, you've got a grace from heaven. You've got a grace from God. This, what is grace? Grace is what comes natural to you. Grace is what comes easy to you. Grace is, is when, when you do this, the wind of heaven is at your back. When you do this thing, what is it for you? Is it administration? Is it sealing the deal in business? Is it being a parent? What has God graced you to do? Because I have learned in life, I do not tolerate my lane. I celebrate my lane. What God has graced, by the way, grace is your gifting. You can actually couple the words grace and gift together because God has given you a gift. By the way, it is not our business to decide whether God gave us one talent, three talents, or five talents. Jesus tells the parable of the talents. He says to one, he gave this guy one talent. To another, he gave this guy two talents. To another, he gave this guy five talents. I don't care if you got one talent, two talents, or five talents. At least you got a talent. At least you got a grace. And by the way, I have learned in life, just because I'm over here with one talent, I'm not going to pout about it. I'm going to go get in somebody's car that has a five talent. Escalade. We rolling. So <laughs> stop complaining about your talent and partner with other people's talents. I have a grace. I've got a God-given ability. When you do this, you go, whoa, I'm good at this thing. I, I've been met, Friday night, I was invited to go speak to, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a business thing. It was not a church event. It was maybe just the second time in my whole life that I have spoken just to, to you know, outside of the church events. And the, the company that asked me to do this, they said, you, we want you to do this, but you cannot talk about God. Do not talk about God. We want you to talk about leadership and and I, I got to be honest, I was like, you know what? I can talk about leadership because I feel like I have been graced to lead. My gifting is to lead other people. So I don't feel like when I get in there, I'm not all nervous and I'm not all like, well, I don't know anything about this. I feel the wind of heaven when I talk about leadership. Because that's not my talent as much as I've received a grace. I've received a gift. By the way, the crowd on Friday night that I got to speak to, I'm used to preaching to people that are high on coffee drunk on coffee, but they had alcohol. I was like, this is easy. Y'all are way more turnt than the church. This is great. I wish the church could be this rowdy. <laughs> Move the blinds. Let no, I'm just kidding. We're not going <laughs> to. Can I just ask you, do you, do you believe you got a, you got a grace? 
Because most of us go like, okay, I've got this calling to be like a good Christian and, and I'm holy and I'm righteous and I'm, and I'm doing all the good stuff and I'm, I'm going to fulfill the great height, live a life worthy of the calling. Yeah, but, but, but the way the church gets strong is you don't just receive your high calling, you receive the grace that's on your life. You start using the grace to help others. You start using the grace to build God's church. You start using the grace to edify other people. I, I love what he says here. Verses 11 and 12, we didn't read it, we skimmed over it like you do in your Bible reading plan, but in verse 11 and 12, he says, watch this, he says, to some he gave apostles, and some he gave uh, prophets and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and all of these things he has given for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Translation, every grace that people have received is not for their own monetizing, leveraging so they can get to another place. It's all to serve other people and help other people and edify other people. Come on, anybody down today to use your grace, use your gift to build God's church and to build... Come on, y'all get louder than that in the 12 o'clock if you're saying, I receive my grace to help others. None of this grace is so that we can become famous or cool. This is so we can serve humanity and people in Peru to Los Angeles can help understand that there is hope for broken people. There is life for those that are hurting and struggling. There is freedom for those that are addicted. Come on, somebody help me today if you believe the grace we have received is not just for ourselves, but even to help others. This is exciting stuff. So therefore, I urge you, because of all this reality of your position of being forgiven, and remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. This is the free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We went through all of this to land in the tipping point of chapter 4. You can walk worthy of your call. You can walk in your grace zone. You can live a life that's flourishing and fresh and exciting if you'll receive your call and receive your grace. Now, Paul continues on to say some amazing things in the middle of chapter 4. I'm going to trust you to read that this week. I want to go to verses 20 and watch how Paul is going to talk about putting off the old man and putting on the new. He's going to say it here in chapter 4, verses 20. 1 through 24, since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on the entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your what? Into your what? Your lifestyle. He's saying... You, you put off the old and put on the new. Would you write down point number three today? I love this so much because it's the reality of the, all of us putting on the new man and taking off the old. Put on the new and get rid of that old. I'm telling you, those two chairs, in the name of Jesus, sin and death, they're going in the garbage dumpster in the back of Ralph's parking lot. They, 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 we're getting rid of them. Don't you tell nobody on me. But we're getting rid. Some of you ought to get rid of that old life. Did you hear what the Bible said to you? It's rotten. Like rotten tomatoes and rotten bananas. And you ever smell something rotten? Yeah, just, I have three children. We got diapers, people. I know what rotten smells like. You ever just, that rotten, so your old life is so rotten. Sleeping around and doing this, that, and the other and being mean and the gossip and cruel-spirited and, and being so harsh, all that backbiting and profanity. All, get out with the old and get into the new. 
He said, actually, put on the new man. Uh, last night, uh, Julia's uh, little, sis, uh, little sister and my brother-in-law, they drove with their four, ki- uh, four kids, three kids. It, it, details, you guys, huh? And um, I, I'm a great uncle in Jesus' name. That's a faith confession. Confess, I have a grace. And nephews and nieces. Um, and, and they pulled into town, and, and they brought Julia this jacket. When she came down with this brand-new jacket, tag still on, and I looked at it, and I was like, that's my size for sure. Like, that's not for you at all. And she's, like, trying it on and everything. And I was like, as soon as she sets that down, that's going to be mine. <laughs> and so she, she put it on the, on, the, on the chair, and I, I copped that thing. I put it on. It fit like a glove. I was like, you are never seeing this jacket. <laughs> like, this is the dopest Adidas jacket ever. Like, I feel so good. <laughs> it's, the, it's a new, you got a new man to put on. Oh, I love that the Bible's like, take off the old and put on the new. Everything about the Bible is always telling us to put on the new. Put on the armor of Christ. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the mind of the Lord. Clothe yourself in humility. The Bible does not just teach us what to put off. It tells us what to put on. I'm thankful today that when I step into this new normal, I'm putting on the new things that God has for me. I'm clothing myself in righteousness. I'm living in holiness. I'm living in praise. I'm putting on all of these things. Come on, somebody help me preach today. If you are thankful today that we can take off the old stuff and put on the new stuff. All of that old you is rotten. Get rid of it. Put it in the dumpster. Go to Ralph's. Throw it in the garbage. What's that old phone number you need to delete? What's that old relationship holding you back? What's that old habit you always go to when you get furious? Get rid of the, it's rotten in the name of Jesus. It's, it's corrupt in the name of Jesus. You got to put on that new, new, that new smell, that new creation. It's a new day in the Lord. You say, I don't do the things I used to do. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I've got some new, new lifestyle and a new confession and a new, come on, anybody excited about the new day and the new adventure? You know, you know who drives me crazy? All People that drive me crazy that only tell me what they don't like and don't do. I don't cuss and I don't do this and I, I don't root for the Clippers and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I don't care about what you don't do. Tell me what you do do. I praise. I go to church. I tithe my money to the Lord. I serve at my church. I, I, I go to a connect group. I help people in my community. I'm dedicated to I love my city. I help ZLC students. Don't tell me what you don't do. Why don't you tell me what you do do? Take off the old, put on the new. It's a new day in L.A. It's a new day in your world. Somebody get excited today if you're thankful that it's not a day. Sin and death got to go, but the new West Elm couch got to come. I'm prophesying over my wife now. He's saying get rid of all that stuff, man. Isn't being a Christian so practical? It's like we, we come to church, we get so excited. We're like, oh, man, I'm just like, I feel, I feel goosebumps when I come, man. So cool. It's like the best church. It's got the best vibes. Love it. I don't really know how to, like, Monday and Tuesday, like, my boss is just the worst. I don't know how to do it. The Bible's showing us exactly how to do it. Put off the way you used to be 
and receive now this huge calling. Live a life worthy of your calling. You've got a grace to do this. You've got a grace to be a parent. You've got a grace to lead your business. You've got a grace to, to have a right relationship. In fact, Paul the Apostle, and worship team, you can come join me. Paul the Apostle is going to land verses 30 through 32 on some of the most powerful, moving verses in all of the book of Ephesians. Now, growing up as a church kid, a pastor's kid, I misinterpreted this portion of Scripture grossly. But I now understand what the Bible's saying. I want to teach us as a community exactly what the Bible's saying around these thoughts. Now, watch here, verse 30. He says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. <laughs> Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I grew up in church. And people used to always say, don't you grieve God. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Make room for the Spirit. You know, like if church services went too short and it was just like worship, message, and everybody was out, people were like, oh, the Holy Spirit done moving that church. They grieve the Holy Spirit. Most of us think grieving, not grieving the Holy Spirit is like an extra five minutes where people could come at the end and get prayer and, and, and that whole thing. That is not what the Bible is saying, what the definition of grieving the Holy Spirit is. It has nothing to do with altar calls. It has nothing to do with another longer five to ten minute service. In fact, quite the opposite. The Bible's teaching us that the only way we grieve the Holy Spirit is that when you and I have broken, hurting relationships. In fact, would you write down the fourth and the final thought today that God or the Holy Spirit, he actually moves best through right relationships. I, I, I'll just tell you, I've been to a lot of churches and sometimes I'll go to a church and it's like the band is playing loud and there's cool lights and the screens and everything and people have their hands raised and I can't feel nothing. Then I'll go to another place and it's like same light, same song, same screens and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Spirit moving through that place. You say, what, what is the difference? The only difference is that the first place there's all these broken offenses and hurting relationships and the next place there's a spirit of unity where people are gracious and forgiving and loving. God cannot move when you are offended. God cannot move when you hold a grudge. God cannot move when you are angry. The Spirit of God has to move through a place that's unified and it has to move through a place that has a sense of forgiveness. Anybody thankful that Zoe Church is a church where we love one another and forgive one another and are gracious to one another so the Spirit of God can run through our church? You ever meet somebody who's like, you know what, I don't go to church anymore because the church hurt me. I'm like, the church hurt you? When did we start calling Rick and Sally the church? It's, the church didn't hurt you. Rick and Sally hurt you. Or somebody say, you know, I, I used to go to church, but like the church used me. Yeah, but that was your prayer that God would use you. And then when they volunteered you, you got used by God. Don't be hurting them. Be hurting yourself. 
And I just wonder if we made a decision as a community, as a church. Again, he started chapter 4. The way we walk worthy of our calling is by loving each other, being kind to each other. He's ended chapter 4 saying, be tender towards one another, soft-hearted towards one another, caring about each other's feelings and emotions. The When we do this, the spirit of the living God will break out in our city. It'll break out of the Easter egg hunt. It'll break out. The will turn on, on, on April 16th. Come on, anybody down to having a church that this is our new normal we're putting off the old. We're putting on the new. I just, I cannot express my heart enough in this area that I believe the only thing that locks up the growth and the potential of a community is people coming to church. In fact, if I, if I can just take a tangent for one second, Paul, in this chapter, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger unless you give the, the devil a foothold in your life. In other words, he's saying, guys, the only way we're going to make it is if before you go to bed, you go, I'm not going to hold these offenses. God, they're yours. Keeping this clean heart in relationships will unlock. He's saying, I can just see him in Rome. He's right in Ephesus. He's guys, God will do such amazing things, and this is your position, and this is your activity, and just the only way we can do it, the only way the Holy Spirit can run through Ephesus, the only way you can become the church you're called to be is if you're loving and forgiving and tenderhearted. And if you do that, the Holy Spirit will move in Ephesus. It will move through Asia. It will move through the world. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today that wants Zoe Church to get to its full potential? Live at the calling of God that's on this thing. We're going to have to love ferociously and forgive tenaciously. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.